I, uh, this morning, I was just praying, spending some time with the Lord, processing last night. If you weren't here last night, it was awesome. It was so cool. But the reason it was so cool for me was that, uh, was a couple of reasons. One, we had been praying about like the Columbia Church as a whole kind of starting to come together since before COVID. And, uh, and so because of a lot of churches being shut down last year, that wasn't really possible for uh, people to come in and, and be a part of it. But now that they're opening back up, that enabled us to kind of start pursuing that. And it was awesome. It was, like, it was so cool to just have. I mean, I, I, there was no way of counting, but if I had to guess, there's probably five, ten, maybe more churches represented here last night in Columbia. And so uh, that was cool. We had somebody, um, Aaron, if you're watching this morning, drive in from Fayetteville, North Carolina. I know some people drove in from Charleston and Greenville and Spartanburg, all these other places. So, uh, so if you're here again this morning, welcome. I, uh, I was praying this morning, and I felt like the Lord mentioned this, and, th- and this is when I knew I had to throw away, not throw away, but uh, put on Paul's all my notes for this week. But he said this, I-, I feel like we, last night in particular, but this has kind of been, uh, last night was the culmination of what's been going on for the past like month, I feel like, but um, that we have transitioned from a seed planting um, I don't want to say season, a seed, a seed planting age to a soil tending age. And, um, and so as I began to ask the Lord what that looked like or what that even meant, I feel like for, we, we've been a church for a little over three years. For about three years, we've done nothing but introduce ideas that for the most part have been brand new to people, which is sad. I mean, like, you know, we talk about identity. You know, like, no, I heard about identity growing up. No, 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 no. We're like, I'm talking about identity. You know what I'm saying? And all that, or God is good. Well, I grew up singing that God was good. No, like believing God is good. You know what I mean? Not just singing it, but living as if you are 100% confident that God is good. So all these ideas that we've kind of just covenant, you know, is another one, that we have uh, allowed the Lord to plant seed in us over the past three years. I think now we're shifting more into a health of the soil season where the Lord is going to continue to cultivate those seeds. But what he's really interested in right now is the health of the soil, the seeds that have been planted in um, is. And, um, and so I'm going to read this. I'm going to start at Matthew 13, if you want to turn there. And uh, this story is in Mark. It's also in Luke. Uh, but I'm going to read Matthew's account because it's a little bit longer. So, And when it's a little bit longer, there's a few more details that... Uh, you don't get when Matthew and Luke are read. So Matthew 13, I'm going to let y'all turn there. And uh, while you're turning there, we're going to do giving at the end of the service. So don't let me forget to do that, somebody, Ellington. Don't let me forget to do giving at the end of the service. Um, but we'll do that in the end. So, uh, and thank you, everybody watching online. Sometimes I forget we have the live stream, but I know a lot of people watch that. So thank y'all for, for tuning in this morning. Um, some of y'all were here last night, and you slept in, and now you're watching online. And uh, y'all ain't slick. So, but Kyrie's here. I'm going to be honest with you. If I put, if I, if I had, a, if I had a hundred dollars and someone said, I don't want you to put it down if Kyrie's going to sleep in this morning, I'll be honest with you, bro. I, I would have lost. I would have lost. So, but you're here. Hey. <laughs> We're, real quick plug though, while you're turning to Matthew 13. Uh, Kyrie's got a vintage shop. That has some cool clothes. I'm sure he's probably wearing all of his clothes right now, are you? Yeah. So that's at Soda City every Saturday. So 
every Saturday. Y'all go check him out. Sell him out of clothes and tell all your friends. So, get your little plug. Get your little plug. What's your, what's your Instagram? Enough? Enough underscore vintage. Check it out. Enough underscore vintage. Um, okay. You should be at Matthew 13 now. <laughs> Starting at verse 1. Starting at verse 1. Now, I want you to hear some of this because this is going to be really familiar. I want us to hear it with brand new ears this morning. To be honest with you, I haven't even read through all this this morning. I just feel like this is what the Lord wants to do. So this is fresh for me too. Here we go. Matthew 13, verse 1. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. When he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. That's it. Can you imagine being in a crowd? Jesus is teaching. He gives this parable and then he says, let he who has an ear hear. Y'all have a good day. I mean, you know. But listen to this. Just he goes, he goes deeper with his disciples. I mean, there's so much right here. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not them. I feel that all over me when I read that. What did I say last night? What does Proverbs say? It's God's glory to conceal a matter and the king's glory to search it out, right? He's given these parables because the only ones that are going to find what he's actually saying are the ones who have found themselves in proximity with the Son of God. So he says, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not them. And listen to what he says. Whoever has been given more, they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. And then he quotes a prophecy. Those seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart, listen to this right here. This people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. I'm, I'm about to explode this morning, so y'all just going to have to buckle up for a little bit. Let, let, right, man, let me just say it like, like I feel it, okay? And this is dangerous. 
I'm going to read this one more time. I want you to hear this in context of, of today, okay? He says, though seeing they don't see, though hearing they don't hear. Though seeing they don't see, though hearing they don't hear. You will be ever hearing. He's talking to God's people, the Israelites, okay? He's not talking about lost people, like we would say. He's talking about the church. Let's say it like that. You'll be ever hearing but never understanding, ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. And listen to what he says. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and what would I do would heal them. So, the issue of their health, and this isn't just talking about their sicknesses, okay? He's, he's talking about their, their soul. Um, but he said the, the issue of their health has nothing to do with whether or not God's going to release healing to them. It has everything to do with the fact that they have their eyes and ears closed and their hearts have been hardened. Say it like this. Uh, let me use revival. That's the famous word, the popular word right now. Revival is not an issue of God releasing revival. Revival is solely an issue of us having ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts softened to receive it. To receive it. So, so, so what we saw last night was the Lord allowing us, if we would open our eyes to see and open our ears to hear and have hearts to understand, allowing us to peer into what has been hidden for a long time, specifically in Colombia, maybe never uncovered in Colombia. In Colombia, but as we begin to peer into that, you see a multiplicity of reactions to it. You see some who have the eyes to see what happened last night that hear it and then mosey right on back to the same old thing they've been doing that has brought them into captivity all these years. Then you have other groups of people who hear that and dare to say, if we tasted that in one night, what could we taste in 10 years? And, and this, this is where... This is where the people of God are today. It's we're always hearing, but we're never hearing. We're always seeing, but we're never seeing. Here's another way you could say that. We're always doing services, we're always doing ministry, and we're always trying to reach people, and yet we're never seeing ministry, we're never seeing church, and we're never seeing the lost born again. You know what I mean? So, so this is what he says. The Word of God is like seed that is strewn on all these different kinds of soil. Verse 16, he says this, Blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. So he's contrasting the disciples and the Israelites because the disciples have eyes to see and ears to hear. Okay, Now he repeats himself a lot here for a reason. It's on purpose. So just hang with me. For truly I tell you, Many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And now he teaches them the deeper meaning of what he uh, gave in a parable to the crowds. He says this, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, 
when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, that Hebrew or that Greek word, excuse me, is to perceive. So it's not Jesus teaching this and you're like, man, this is really confusing. It's Jesus teaching this and it not hitting you in the right way. Right? The kingdom's not confusing. Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's not confusing. It's my kingdom's here. You're either with us or you're not. So it's not an issue of understanding as far as knowledge. It's an issue of perceiving as far as heart. Okay. So whoever hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But because they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away because they have no root. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. This is, in my opinion, the most dangerous one. Who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word and make it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. There are four types of soil that Jesus talks about here. Three of them are wasted. One of them begins to produce what it was designed to produce. Okay? Jesus talks about four kinds of soil, and every one of them, by the end of their story, has wasted what was sown. It's the same seed. The same seed is sown in all four types of soil. So, so the issue of what is produced is not the seed. Okay? The issue of what is produced is solely on the heart receiving the seed. Okay? Man, 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 man. So the first one, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. The second one, because they have no root, because they have no root, it only lasts a short time. And the first time there's a storm or the first time there's a situation or the first time something that doesn't go their way, they immediately begin to fall away. I think, I think that second type that have no root is probably the most common but I think the third type is the most dangerous. The first group of people, it means absolutely nothing to them. They don't get it. They don't care. It doesn't matter. The second group of people come into a night like last night and get lit on fire. But the first time something happens at their job or the first time something happens in a relationship or the first time something happens to them, immediately they begin to fizzle out. Why? Why? Because they have no root. And this is the issue today. This is the issue 
in the church as a whole, I believe, is that because we have so wanted to stay on the surface because we could get so many people in that are surface level, we've never taught people to get roots into the ground. And because of that, the first time something happens, like let's say COVID, the first time something happens, immediately they start running for the hills. Why? Because all it ever was was something on the surface. And what Yahweh is doing in the church today is he's giving us a clean slate to say, now is your opportunity to get off of the surface and instead let your roots sink deep where you are. This is what happens. We'll stay on the surface and then the minute the wind comes, it blows it away. And you know what happens? It finds itself in another location. It finds itself doing something else that it thinks is going to bring it joy or moving somewhere it thinks is going to bring him joy. Or her joy. And when that happens, the wind starts to blow again, and then they're finding something else that's going to bring them joy. All because they won't get rooted. Rooted. This is what we've been talking about for weeks. But I feel like the Lord, and I had a whole message on, and I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do it next week. But my, my notebook is full of messages about getting rooted. Because I feel like that's what the Lord is doing in us right now. Let me give it a little more specific. This is something, and I, I wrote this down. I'm just going to go by, by memory, though. This is something the Lord's been showing me this week. There is stuff that he's allowed us to carry with us through the past seasons that we should not have been holding. But what he was allowing us to do was to get a 10,000-foot view of what things are that we were taught wrong growing up. So in that season, he's allowed us to carry a half-hearted yes. And he's allowed us to carry all of our baggage. And he's allowed us to carry one eye looking to the past. And he's allowed us to carry doubt. And he's allowed us to carry it because he's good. But this season we're going into, that stuff will not make it in. And, th- this, and this, this, is where, this is where the Lord starts to come in. And we, we've seen this since we started. I mean, Ellington can attest to this. He's been here since day one. We've seen this since we started. People will come in. They'll get really excited. And the minute the invitation is given by God to get your roots sunk deep, immediately they start fleeing for somewhere else. So every season the Lord will just, will just blow his wind in to see which one of the plants have roots and which ones don't. Because if you don't have roots, the next level of glory that we are in right now, that we're in, it's not one of those things where it's like, I feel it coming. No, we're here. This next level, a half-hearted yes will not make it in. In fact, I told somebody last night, anything but a wholehearted yes is a no. What do I mean by a half-hearted yes? This is what I mean. This is what I mean. When you have... Jesus and covenant and relationship and devotion and all that stuff, that's a great message. And, and it's really popular right now because it's a new message. Nobody ever taught that growing up. So we didn't teach about the secret place. We taught about revival and wondered why we didn't get revival. But we, we, we have this opportunity right now to transition from an up and down, ebb and flow relationship with Jesus. And y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Where there's one season where you're on fire, and then there's another season where you're in drought. And then there's one season where you're on fire, and then there's a next season when you're in drought. And you're literally, so in, in one season, you're thanking God that he's good. In the next season, you're quoting Psalm 23, Valley of the Shadow of Death, like it's going out of style. 
right? It's just, it's just up and down and up and down. Tell me where Jesus' relationship with the Father was up and down. It's not in here. So our model, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for saying this. Our model is Jesus, okay? I love Paul. I love Peter. I love John. And those are all people to look up to. But my model's Jesus. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. So Peter might have fallen away. That's not an invitation for me to step into a lifestyle of falling away and getting back up, falling away and getting back up. Because Peter is not the standard. Christ is the standard. So we live in this, this culture, especially in the church, where we're totally okay with us going up and down and up and down. And I'm telling you, where we, where we are, the season, the epoch, the age that we're in is not an age that's going to allow for us to do this. It's an age that's like this. And the only way that happens is for us to get rooted. That's it. That's it. Let me, let me, uh, I looked this up this morning and, uh, tell me how cool this is right here. So this is, um, no, I don't want to enter my email. This is qualities of healthy soil. Listen to this. Okay. Here, here are the qualities of high, um, or excuse me, this is healthy, high quality soil has this. Uh, number one, good soil tilth. So it's been tilled efficiently. Okay? It's been broken up. Number one. Number two, it has sufficient depth. Y'all, I mean, y'all are, I think, I know y'all are tired this morning. Okay? It's been broken up, number one, first step. If you feel like you're being broken right now, rejoice. Stop cursing it. Good soil tilt. Number two, sufficient depth. That, that right there is where we disqualify half the church. I'm not talking about actual churches. I'm talking about people, like us, body of Christ, okay? Number three, sufficient nutrient supply. Next, small population of plant pathogens or insect pests. A small population of pests that would destroy the plant. Okay? This is where we can't carry this stuff into the season. Okay? It has good soil drainage. It has a large population of beneficial organisms. Sounds a lot like the body. It has low weed pressure. No chemicals or toxins that may harm the crop. And listen to this last one. It has resilience to degradation and unfavorable conditions. In other words, when there's unfavorable conditions, plants that are planted in this type of soil remain full. That's healthy soil. So what does he say? He says, The seed that fell on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, it only lasts a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of that word, they quickly fall away. The second, the third, the seed falling among the thorns 
refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So it's growing, but because it hadn't been weeded out, the soil hadn't been weeded out with all the thorns and thistles, even though the plant is growing, all the thorns are growing beside it. So when it starts to produce fruit, it's growing, but when it starts to produce fruit, all the stuff that wasn't dealt with in the soil begins to choke out the fruit, even if it's growing. Man, I wish y'all would hear me this morning. So there is, there is stuff, like, there's one thing for this to be growing in you. It's a whole nother thing for you to allow the Lord to take you through the process of removing the stuff that later on down the road, it might not be doing it now, but later on down the road is going to start killing your fruit. So issues seem like absolutely nothing when they start. But if you don't deal with them when they start, 10 years from now, you're going to find yourself choked out of fruit because you wouldn't deal with it 10 years before. And this is why I talk about, what's up, man? This is why I talk about legacy all the time. And, and I know people get sick of hearing it because most of y'all don't have kids. But the reason I talk about legacy all the time is because we have to have that in mind now. The issues that we allow to infiltrate the church may not affect us in our generation. So, so if, I, if I allow, let me give you an example. If I allow division to be in our church, if I allow that, which let me tell you, I will not ever, okay, from this point forward. So, but if I allowed division in the church, do you know what would begin to happen? Generations down the road would start to do this and split off from the body because I refused to deal with division in an age that it didn't seem like it mattered to us. So, so because we don't have a view for generations down the road, and man, most of the reason we don't have a view for generations down the road is because we don't think they're going to be here. I had a conversation with somebody last week, and uh, y'all, y'all, I wish somebody, I wish I had a video camera for some of these to see my reaction. But I had a conversation with somebody last week, and uh, and they said, man, they said, bro, they didn't say brother, I just, uh, I say it, but they said. Uh, <laughs> They, they said, uh, we're, li- we're living in the last hour. And I said, you know what's funny? Peter said the same thing 2,000 years ago. <laughs> and we're still here. You, you know what I mean? I, like, I, I, people start squirming. My issue as a pastor, my issue as a pastor, from day one, do you know what my biggest issue has been? Teaching what is true to originality but flies in the face of modernity. Okay, let me say it like this. It's teaching what is true to the early church, but flies in the face of the modern church. That's been my number one issue because I'll teach something like this. I'll teach stuff like he wants his kingdom to invade the earth, but because we have taught people for generations that he actually wants to get you out so everything can be blown to smithereens, when you begin to start teaching what he actually taught, which is the kingdom of heaven is at hand, people are like, whoa, 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 man, that's, that's demonic. Nope, that's early church. I have, I have, I have no um, interest in teaching what is modern. No interest. 
I have 100% interest in teaching what is right. And that's what this is. He didn't come and say, he, well, how should we pray? You pray like this. Actually, you know, today, pray like this. Mighty God, distant, distant Father that doesn't like us. Get us out of here. Yeah. Your, ki- your kingdom's gone. <laughs> your will is gone. <laughs> you know, that's what we believe. That's what we, that's what, that's what we believe, you know. Oh, well, brother, I just got to get out of here. No, you got to get in. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. So, so that, but that's been our big issue. But, but because, we have, I mean, because we have taught for ages, we have taught that we don't have time, we've stopped caring about what's happening in three generations. We ain't going to be here anyway, so who cares? Let's let it run its wild, run its wild course. No, I'm planning on 500 years from now today. And if he comes and stops it early, at least we were ready. But if we're here and he actually does want his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, like he said, if he's not a liar, which he's not, then we've got to prepare today as if there are generations behind us who are going to carry things that we are carrying in seed form. And this, is, this is huge in me. And I know people get sick of me talking about legacy. And if that's the case, you should not be here. Because that's all we're going to talk about. I mean, we're going to talk about intimacy. We're going to talk about God being good. And we're going to talk about what's going to happen in 3,000 years. So some of y'all were okay with 500 years. Now I said 3,000. And y'all are like, now that's where I draw the line. So, th- so this, is what, this is what Jesus says. He says, the seed falling on thorns some, refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now listen to this. This is the last soil. So, so the majority of these is wasted. Okay? What does this sound like? It sounds like narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and only a few find it. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and perceives it and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, now, I believe what Jesus starts talking about now, he goes into, he kind of trails off into, and I'm going to read these. He trails off into a few other parables, but they're all connected. I believe what Jesus is doing at this point is he is First, unveiling to them that they are the good soil he's talking about. And then he's saying, now that we've got that understanding, let me plant a few more seeds in this soil. So this is where he goes. You ready? Jesus told them, who? The disciples. Who were the disciples? The good soil. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds excuse me, among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servant asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds... You may uproot the wheat with them. He's talking about Israel, the disciples. 
um, right here. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them up to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now listen to where he goes after this. This is some of the best parables I think Jesus says right here. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds can perch in its branches. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it becomes the largest. And th- this is why I'm not in a hurry. I, I, this is why I'm not in a hurry. I think it's prophetic that the Lord has allowed us to stay under 100 since we started. Just to say, just to say that he brings his kingdom through what everybody else calls insignificant. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled that uh, what was spoke through the prophet I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Now, he goes through and explains a couple things, and then I'm done. So, I'm going to read all the way to 52. So, y'all hang with me. I'm almost done. Then he left the crowd. He went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. So, now he's going to explain to the disciples the good soil, all this stuff. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. Here we go. Man, I'm going to have to chase many, many rabbits, but I'm going to try not to. Try not to, try not to, try not to. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire... So it will be at the end of the age. Let me ask you something. At the end of the age, what's pulled up first? Verse 41. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom... Everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will, be, they will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will, sh- then, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. I, whoo, whoo. Lord, Lord, help me. Should we take a journey? Should we take a journey? Right? So what's, what's happening? What happens at the end of the age? I don't know. Let's ask Jesus. Okay. As, let's ask Jesus. Not Darby. Let's ask Jesus. 
as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Uh Uh-oh. We thought the weeds were going to flourish. We thought he was going to come pluck up all the good plants and let the weeds become fruitful. Right? One issue. That ain't what Jesus said. Jesus said that this is how the kingdom's going to explode across the earth. He's going to remove the weeds, and when he removes the weeds, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. This is exactly why we've got to get rooted. This is exactly why we've got to have eyes to see that when he told us to pray, your kingdom come, he meant it. It Jesus' prayer does not come true unless the fullness of the glory of the kingdom of Yahweh spreads across the whole of the earth as the waters cover the sea. Unless that happens, Jesus and his prayer was wrong. Well, Josh, how can you say that? it's It's just thinking. Right? I didn't even mean to teach this this morning, but y'all know how it happens when I get away from my notes. Right? I just need to stand up for a second. I can I see people just click and exit right now. But <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Because what does he say about the seed? The enemy came and picked it up. Y'all go ahead and click out. I'm just kidding. Anyway, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But there is some truth in all jokes. But <laughs> so last night, last night, let me, because last night, what this was, what this was, was not a rallying cry to go. Y'all, we getting ready to go. No, what last night was, was us getting our roots so deep in this thing that I'm not moving until his kingdom come, comes and his will is done. So, so I, I'm, I'm not moving until I see the answer of, Papa, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I'm not moving until I see that. And I don't think Jesus is moving until he sees that. And let me tell you something else. The devil sure ain't going to tell Jesus when to come back either. How many of you believe that the Lord sent COVID? Don't raise your hand. I don't. Okay? I don't believe the Lord sent COVID. I believe the Lord is actually, though, going to leverage what the enemy meant for bad and use it for the most good we've ever seen in our lifetime. But the Lord didn't send COVID. And yet, and yet, most people, believers, most people have said that COVID is an announcement that the return of Jesus is soon. Or let me say like this. Most people have said the election is an announcement that the return of Jesus is soon. But this is is where our theology has gone. This is what happens when you don't get rooted. This is what happens when you're on the surface and every wind of theology begins to blow you all over the place. This is exactly what happens when the early church had groups of people 
that in the first, second, third, fourth century started being attracted to this idea that if we would stay enough on the surface, we could bring cities into our churches. That us getting rooted is getting our heads chopped off. So instead, if we just stay right there on the surface, not only will we not die for this thing, but we can bring all these other people into this thing. And the issue is, is because of that, they never taught about the kingdom of heaven coming into the earth. They taught about the kingdom of heaven staying distant so that it doesn't impede on the kingdoms of the earth that want to kill them for announcing the kingdom's actually coming here. It's easier if I'm in Rome, it's easier for me to say the kingdom of heaven is 10 billion miles that way, but y'all don't worry about me because I'm not going to get into it until I die. Easier than for me to say, y'all better buckle up because his kingdom's actually coming here. That gets you killed. The other gets you having a nice cozy life and a really, really big ministry. And at some point, I've got to make the decision that if I want my daughter to be deeper rooted than I am, to be more deeply convinced that he's good than even I am, if I'm going to allow that to happen in our legacy, in our culture, in our church, and ultimately, I believe, in our city, if I'm going to allow that to happen, I've got to be convinced that what he wants to do is bring his kingdom through a mustard seed that when it is tended in good soil produces the largest plant in the whole garden. This is, this is huge. I have gone back and forth with the Lord of, first off, why on earth would he have me teach any of this stuff? Like, Lord, like, I, I used to struggle with fear of man like none of y'all would believe. I would tremble thinking that I was going to deliver something that would make people mad. Now I do it for fun. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but back then, back then, I, I, would, I would literally just tremble thinking about delivering something that was going to uh, cause people to be mad at me, right? However, however, what I realized is we are on a trajectory right now. One-third of the church left the church in 2020, right? So we're on a trajectory now for what we have called Christianity to be absolutely obsolete in about 30 or 40 years. And, I mean, sometimes I wonder if that's, not, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think what we need is a reformation of what Christianity even is. Because if it's this thing where we hunker down and and brace for impact, we're not in Christianity. Might be something else, but it ain't Christianity. Christianity is where it says, you can take my life, and I'm still going to rise again when he comes back. You You can kill me, but when Jesus comes back and he puts his foot on this earth, Guess who ain't going anywhere? Me. I'm going to rise again, and I'm going to reign in the kingdom of Almighty God in the creation that he called not bad, good. For God so loved the creation. It's co- the Greek word, Jordan hates this word. The Greek word is cosmos. Okay? It's where we get the English word cosmos from. Okay? But what Jesus is saying is, is he's not saying the word, he, when we read, for God so loved the world, immediately we think people. No, that is not what John writes. He didn't say for God so loved the people. He said for God so loved his creation that he gave his only son. 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But then he says, God did not send his son into creation to condemn creation, but that through him creation might be saved. And that includes you and I, but it also includes the trees and the birds and the rivers and the clouds and all of it being brought back into its original design because his plan is not to destroy. His plan is to bring it back to where it was before we got our hands on it. Should have stuck to my notes. Then he left. Uh, or excuse me, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, or treasure is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought the field. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought the field. It's talking about Jesus. It's not talking about us in that verse. It's talking about Jesus giving all he had to buy the field we were in. We're the treasure. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. That's you and I. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. This is Jesus going to the cross. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but, whoo, man, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come separate the wicked from the righteous, throw them into the blazing furnace, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? Yes. Can you imagine that, Jesus? I just taught y'all all this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. You know. <laughs> Their eyes just like. You know, they ain't never heard this. Oh, they were taught to not look at a woman in lust. Jesus telling about the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> oh, don't, don't walk down the wrong side of the road on the Sabbath. Now here Jesus is telling them their pearls. Verse 52. He said to them. Therefore, every te- listen, man. Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. As well as old. What, what I feel like the Lord, I'm going to pull up my notes just... Uh, because i got a couple things in here that relates to this. But what the Lord is doing in us right now is he's calling us to, this is the word he's given me, and I've shared this with some of you, to singularity. He's calling us to singularity. Okay? You could say a, a singleness of heart, one pursuit, one desire. Okay? You're like, yeah, we've talked about this. No, 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 no. We, we've talked about it, and we've heard it but now he's calling us to say yes to it. There's a difference. There's a difference in you amening the message of one thing and you living in the one thing. And what he's calling us into now 
is us laying down our pretending. And I say are because there's stuff in me I'm laying down. To lay down our pretending and instead take up the lifestyle of one thing. We, we desperately need fathers. We desperately need fathers who are seated in authenticity. And we need sons and daughters who are given permission to be authentic. We, we need fathers and mothers. And when I say that, everybody in this room is at your work, at, you know, in your family, a spiritual father and mother if you're in this place. You hold the keys to unlock life and death in people. You do, if you've been here. And so what we need is for us to be convinced of who we are so that we can live in authenticity, laying down the mask, laying down the pretending, so that we can give other people permission to be who they authentically are. This is what the Lord is doing in us right now. He's adding another screen into this place. And I just said this, but I just want to read through this. There are things that you've been allowed to carry with you up to this point that will not make it where we're going. And if we refuse to lay them down, we'll start feeling highly disoriented in this new season we're in. The past seasons allowed you to carry a split devotion poor self-identity, a half-hearted yes, and our impoverished dreams. This next season, though, is defined by one thing, one agenda, one purpose, one dream, one goal, one love, and one covenantal partner, Jesus. And if we try to split our affections, I pray that Yahweh will not let us sleep until we lay them down. 2020, and I've said this, 2020 was his attempt to let the church realign itself back to the one thing, back to its first love. We, in devotion, must let all of our passions, desires, dreams, pursuits, that did not originate in Jesus, we have to let them die until he becomes our only obsession. Then, what he chooses to resurrect in the one thing lifestyle, you will absolutely be released to reign in. Jesus, and I say this all in love, in love. Jesus is not enough for most of us right now. This right here, a life like this is a sign that the one thing that's constant, Jesus, is not enough. That's all it is. Because if I've got my faith in my career, when my career starts to take a dip, guess what I start to do? Take a dip. And when it begins to lift up, guess what I start to do? Lift up. If I have my identity or if I have my obsession in relationships, speaking to a lot of young people, right? Man, I've got to get some WD-40 on this chair. about to drive me crazy. But 
If you have your if you have your desires in relationships, then guess what happens when you get into a relationship? Things are great. Love the Lord, blessed and highly favored. You know, all the, the head, not the tail, first, not the last. You know, and then all of a sudden, when that relationship doesn't work out because it wasn't the one you should have been in in the first place, when that starts to happen, guess what? Lord, where are you? I'm not hearing from you. Lord, I'm really, I'm here, bro. I'm just really going through it. No, you're not. You're not going through it. You just had your faith in a relationship. And praise the Lord, he stripped it away. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, everybody in this room can attest to this, right? But the Lord, we've got to, re, we've got to redefine what, and I, I've said this over and over and over, and I don't think it's clicking, so I'm going to just keep saying it until it clicks. We have to redefine what is good. What he sees as good is what is actually good. What we see as good is what is comfortable. That's, I mean, that's what we see as good, right? So, me making a million dollars a year, I would say, that's good. Bring it on, right? Who said amen? <laughs> Hannah, yeah, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you guys are in, in schools and I'm in a church, like, you know. But, so I feel you, I feel you. But, making a million dollars a year seems awesome to me. However, however... The Lord has kept me in a place where I ain't making a million dollars a year. And it's not because he's not good. It's actually because he is good. You see what I'm saying? Some of you have been crying out for a relationship, and the Lord is allowing... If I've told this to one person, I've told it to a thousand people. If you don't learn to be a spouse to Jesus before you're a spouse to a man or woman, you need to lay down being a spouse to a man or woman because it will not turn out like you thought it would. Some of you are like, well, I don't know why I can't get a relationship. Because you won't focus on the relationship that you got. That's why. You can't serve any, what's the first? You shall not serve any other gods before me. You shall not have any other gods before me. And if we don't get the one thing in the right spot, guess what relationships become? Gods that you begin to worship, you start drifting away from church, you start drifting away from the family. We've seen this 150 times, that you are passionate, you're on fire, you're burning, things are great, you're spending time with the Lord, you start dating with somebody, and all of a sudden you stop showing up to church, you stop reading your Bible, and now you don't even know if you believe in God anymore, and now you're atheist. Y'all think I'm joking. Over, You know why? Because there is no rooted season. And the reason people skip out on the rooted season is because it's boring in the eyes of the world. It's because it is, it's, it's not a flash in the pan. It's not like fire is going to consume you and you're just going to go blaze out and save five million people. But what you're going to find in the secret place is a rootedness so that when the wind comes and when the rain comes and when the sun comes, you are constant through every single season. But because we haven't taught the secret place at all in the church as a whole, guess what? The first time it rains, people are scattered. If we were, listen, if we were rooted, if we were rooted, we would have seen the last year as a blessing. Myself included. If we were actually rooted, we would have said, we get a year to be at home. Let's go. If we were rooted, but the majority of the church is not. So when we say, you know what, I'm going to give you 
so much time for you to go shut the door behind you and spend time with me in secret. I'm going to give you so much time, you're not going to know what to do with it. Instead of us saying, praise the Lord, this is awesome. I'm going to tithe even more because of this. You know, whatever. Instead of saying that, we're saying, Lord, get us back in the building. If y'all don't have kids this Sunday and y'all don't have this next week and y'all don't have this revival next Sunday, I ain't talking to y'all ever again. This is, this is what's been going, not us, but this is like churches, right? Because we have, I have a lot of pastor friends. This is what happens. This is what has happened in the past year. Y'all telling people to wear a mask? We ain't coming. Y'all telling people to social distance? We ain't coming. I mean, this is what has happened, right? So we have made the kingdom an issue of whether or not people are requiring a mask. Do, do we hear this? We have made the kingdom of heaven an issue of who you voted for in an election. Dear Lord, the kingdom of heaven is one issue. His name is Jesus. Anything outside of that is just noise. I'm going to get myself in so much trouble if I'm not careful. Oh, man. David was anointed king. I'm going to just chase a couple things. So y'all just with me. David was anointed king, and his, his only experience, his only experience, Samuel shows up to anoint a king for God. That's what God gives Samuel the command. He says, you've anointed a king for the people, Saul. We all see how that turned out. Now, I'm going to anoint a king for me. So Samuel shows up to the house of Jesse. Jesse brings all his sons, who the Bible says looks like the ones. I mean, they're, they're tough, they're good-looking, they're strong, they're tall. And Samuel goes to the Lord and says, that's got to be the one. I mean, that's him. Son, Jesse, that's him. And the Lord tells him, no, you might look on the outside and see a king. I look on the inside. So he goes down the line, and the Lord's saying, nope, 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 nope. He gets to the end. He's like, okay, Lord, you sent me to the house of Jesse. That's all the sons. So either I heard wrong or you have lost your mind. And, you know, and so he goes to Jesse and says, is that it? Is there not another one? And Jesse says, well, yeah, there is another one. Uh, but he's just a shepherd. Like, he's out in the field. He's illegitimate. Me and a concubine had a little thing, and uh, that's where he came from. We don't have to worry about him. That's why he's not here. David's only experience David had one experience, was shepherding sheep and playing a harp in the middle of nowhere that no one heard, in a place of secret. That was his only experience. But here's the issue. God was looking for a king for him. So while David might not have been doing anything to earn favor in the people's eyes, he was hiding in a field earning the heart of the one that he would be king for. And when David shows up, Samuel immediately knows it's him and anoints him king right there on the spot. We have been so... We've had our eyes set on the Lord anointing people in the earth that look the part. 
We've had our eyes set on the Lord anointing people in the earth who have the position. But I believe what the Lord is doing right now, and if I can just be a little prideful for a second, and my prideful, I mean, I'm just going to be real. So it's going to be taken as prideful. What he's doing in this room is he's taking a conglomerate of people that are insignificant or have been told they are insignificant in the eyes of everybody on the outside that he's saying, now you will be my kings and queens. The, the kingdom of heaven is, is flourishing in the middle of nowhere. I mean, this building is in the worst spot of Columbia, by far, by far the worst spot of Columbia, right? And, and yet, we find ourselves here talking about things that I've never heard taught about in my life. I've been in church my whole life, and not just in church. I've been in Pentecostal church my whole life. We were supposed to be the ones who carried the Spirit. We were supposed to be the ones that were knocking people out. You know what I mean? I mean, if I had a dime for every time I hit the floor, I'd be rich. And, I, and I, listen, I honor, I honor those, and I love that. I love that. I love falling out the Spirit. I love people being healed. I love seeing people carry their wheelchair out the door. I absolutely love that. And, but that pales in comparison to what we're about to see. What we're about to see is not just people carrying wheelchairs out the room. What we're about to see is cities one in a day. What we're about to see is, oh, man, can I get weird for y'all for a second? All right. What we're about to see, <laughs> we're, what we're about to see is creation around us start to respond to what's happening in here. We're going to start to see hurricanes dodging South Carolina because it's responding to what's happening in this room. Well, Josh, how can you say that? How can you not? Romans, you know what Romans 8 says? Let me just read it for you, just for a little refresher, because we don't remember this. Never, we, we never read this part. Um, Romans 8, because we said this was weird and people wouldn't come back to our churches, which is exactly why I love reading it. Romans 8. 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I could weep right there. How many of us walk through the pasture? I I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for what? The children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and be brought into the freedom and glory of who? God? Of the children of God. Do you hear this? That creation was subjected to frustration, not by its choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Who is that? Us. Our fall caused creation to go back into a state of chaos. But if we had that much authority to take a bite of a fruit that we shouldn't have eaten and creation starts spinning in chaos... How much more does us coming back into our designed intention cause the chaos to come back into the order? 
But because we have praised the chaos to the point that we said it's all going to be blown up anyway, we have not gotten seated to the point that we start calling the chaos back into order. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Don't teach about resurrection either. But it ain't your ghost that's going to float away. It's your body that's going to get up out of a grave. That should bring you hope. That should bring you hope. So you know how the Lord's going to deal with all these people who have died of COVID? That were saved? Do you know how the Lord's going to deal with this? When he comes back, guess what? All them bad boys getting right back up. And they ain't going to have COVID in their body at that point. They're going to be redeemed. You hear me? So it's, it's not, well, man, Lord, we just walk. No, 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 no. What the enemy meant for bad, Yahweh is about to leverage into good. And let me tell you something. Whatever the amount of impact that the enemy can do in his little, puny, weak, minute bit of authority that we gave him anyway, how much more can Yahweh do with all totality of authority in the ones who have become sons and daughters of him? For in this hope, what hope? Resurrection. In this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait, it, wait for it patiently. Oh, man. So why am I talking about this? Because I think the Lord wants to get us to the place where we are addressing our soil. Oh, this is, this is, I'm going to chase the rabbit trail all the way back. We're gonna, we, we need to get to the place where we're going through our soil. And let me, let me tell you this. When, when I teach this stuff, immediately, immediately there's a knee-jerk reaction to this is a works-based thing. I'm not talking about your works. I'm talking about your soil. I could care less. About, I mean, I care about your works, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about the health of what's receiving the inheritance. Who, man, I'm sitting on my binder. Who, who cares about us receiving the revelation of the kingdom if when we receive it, we start processing it in a way that it was never intended to be processed. Let me say it like this. And Kyle just walked out of the room or I would, I would uh, uh, tell him to say this, but I think he just went to the bathroom and told him he was going to embarrass him on live stream. But anyway, um, maybe he was going to get water. So um, he was going to the bathroom. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you had just a $1,000 bag of coffee, just the best coffee ever made, you know, all this other stuff. But, but, you put it in a 10-day-old used coffee filter. Okay? How nasty is that coffee going to be? Nasty. But it's not the coffee that's nasty. It's the filter that the coffee is flowing through that hasn't been changed. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Lord getting us to a place where He's releasing kingdom stuff that I don't know has been released in this area ever. And he's released, and not just us. There's people 40 minutes down the road at Hope Chapel that are releasing the same stuff. I mean, so it's not just us. 
There's pockets of light all over America that are completely unseen at present day that are going to be the ones who carry the torch in the next generation. They're not going to be flashy. They're not going to have lights everywhere. They're not going to have fog and fire everywhere. But they're going to have a secret place that's going to call creation back from its chaos. And that's what Yahweh's looking for going ahead. I I felt the Lord say this last night. That over the last year, he cut the lights off of a lot of things that if we try to cut those same lights back on, we're now fighting against him. Before, we were fighting against ourselves. But now that he has allowed those things to be shut off, when we try to go back and flip the lights on, we're now fighting against him. This, this is, the kingdom is here. You know, the Israelites were allowed to kind of folly a little bit before Jesus came. The word of the Lord hadn't come to them in 400 years before that. They were allowed to flounder a little bit. But when the Son of God showed up, He said, our floundering is over. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's either yes or no. Are you with me or not? Eat my flesh and drink my blood or you'll have no part in me. And He had 120 in an upper room that were saying, yes, we'll do it. And those 120 changed the globe. Josh, you've taught that before. I know, I know. But this is where we are. It's a soil. It's a soil issue that we as a church have an opportunity to address now so that as he begins to throw seed on this, it begins to produce a crop that is 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, what is that? What is, let me say, what does evangelism look like? Because the New Testament, if I'm being honest with you, it gives us a model, and it does not look like our current model. We have a model that we, you know, if you ask today, what does evangelism look like? We get as many people to repeat the prayer as, as possible, you know? Just get, as, get as many people to fill, fill our churches, and first off, First off, I would love to see a scripture about that, number one. I would love that. And if I ever saw that, I would change my belief. But two, what do we do with things like this? When Jesus is baptizing people across the river from John, he gets word that everybody's talking about how big the crowd size he has and leaves and goes and finds a woman who all the other people have rejected. What do we do with that? What do we do when Jesus' brothers come to him and say, this is the moment. Why don't you go make your way into Jerusalem? You'll be famous. Go in there and do that thing where you multiply the food. (laughs) Then they'll believe you're the Son of God. Right? And he tells them, he says, any moment is good for you to go get your glory, but I'm going to stay right here in the secret place. And then he makes his way into Jerusalem, but do you know how he does it? Undercover and secretly. Every time somebody is healed by something that Jesus does, what does he tell them? Go tell your friends. Nope. He says, you better not go tell anybody. When you, seriously, when you read that, when you read that, do you not say, because this is what I say. I'm like, Jesus, if they go tell everybody, guess what? They're all going to come to you. Why would you tell her to not, or why would you tell him to not go tell anybody about this? Because he's looking for the ones 
who are willing to let the seed hit them and get so rooted in them that when he tells them to wait here for as long as it takes for the thing that I'm going to send you, they're willing to wait 10 days for something they don't know how long they're going to be in the upper room waiting for. He doesn't tell them wait 10 days. He says, go wait and I'll send it. And can you, uh, We said this in the guys group one night. Can you imagine this? Day one, nothing. Day two, nothing. Day three, four, five, six, seven, nothing. A week into it, they're hiding in a room. The doors are locked. They've got to be looking around saying, are we sure? We've been in here a week. I mean, seriously, some of y'all won't wait 30 minutes for something the Lord spoke. Jesus tells them, I'm going to send you a gift. Don't leave here until I send it. And a week later, nothing. Eight days, nothing. I mean, they got to be thinking at day seven, seven days of creation. This is our day. Joshua walking around the walls of Jericho. You know, this, this is going to be our day. Nothing. Day eight. Okay, number eight. New creation. You know, this all makes sense. Day eight is our day. Nothing. Nine. Nothing. But then on day 10, they're together in an upper room, and suddenly there is the sound of a violent wind. 120. I believe... It's because they had allowed themselves to get so rooted that I believe, I can't prove it, you can't disprove it, I believe they would have stayed in that room till they died. I believe they wouldn't have left that room if it took them five years. Probably would have had to go get some food. But you know what I'm saying? Because they were rooted. So the worries of life, the people who wanted to come take their lives, none of that shook them from who they were. But because they were good soil, they received the word, understood what he said when he said, do not leave until I send what what I'm going to send you. And that produced a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So Peter leaves that upper room days removed from cursing Jesus' name leaves that upper room and preaches a message that they didn't send flyers out to 3,000 people. They were drawn to the fire that they had received from lingering. And he preaches a message and the church explodes. They say, how how are y'all going to heal everybody? I don't know. I'm going to pray. And as he's on his way to pray, his shadow is so full of glory that people are getting healed on the way. So how are we supposed to evangelize? Again, I'm going to use Jesus. How are we supposed to evangelize? Did Jesus say, come see me in all my power? Or did he go to the place where he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit? And from that place, he gave birth to a company of people who can have the same reaction in a moment where we have the choice to say a full yes or a half-hearted yes, which is a no, And in the moments we say yes, we're invited into the place where we say once again, Father, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So I'm going to trust in what you're doing for me. I'm going to lay down everything I thought would be good so that I can inherit things that actually are good. 
So I'm going to stop striving to try to make a relationship happen. I'm going to stop striving to try to make my career happen. I'm going to stop striving to try to make community happen. I'm going to stop striving to make all this stuff happen. And instead, I'm going to get so rooted in the secret place that if I have to sit there for 10 days, I'll sit there until I get what he promised me I was going to get. That is how we evangelize the globe. How's China evangelizing the globe? China right now is, the, is home to the most Christians of any country on planet Earth. And if you go to China, you won't find one spirit-filled church anywhere. You know why? Because they're all hiding. How? How on Earth are they evangelizing in China when if you get caught with the Bible, you get thrown in jail and possibly killed? You know how they're doing it? They're burning so hot in a literal secret place that people from all around them are being drawn to the light that is glowing off of their person. That's what creation's waiting for. They're not waiting for good, talented people. It's not waiting for people who know how to use a microphone really well or a guitar really well or a ministry really well. You know what it's waiting for? It's waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. So you and I being convinced of who we are is what creation's waiting for. And as that begins to happen, I promise you we'll have no issue filling the churches. We'll have no issue uh, saving the globe. We'll have no issue winning the city. You know why? Because we're not striving to win cities anymore. Now we're asking and receiving cities. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. That's what he says. When did we stop doing that? That seems like way better than, you know, the whole, like, megaphone thing. And again, I'm not saying the megaphone thing's bad. But it seems a lot more effective if I'm asking and receiving nations than if I'm trying to win nations on my own. And what this does, because I can see all of y'all's faces, what this does is causes everything in you to start doing this. And the thing that's doing this right now, I just read, I just read y'all, I don't even know, 100, probably 100 scriptures. I don't know, something like that. I read 52 in just Matthew, so, right? So it's not, it's, um, so I'm not giving you, I am just read through half the New Testament, I feel like. But, you, you, but everything in you is doing this right here. You know what that's called? Religion. It's not called scripture, I just read it to you. It's called religion. It's called, this is how we grew up. And I honor how we grew up. But if we live there, we're going to miss it. These Israelites grew up, they had to memorize the Torah. They didn't just read it. They they were required to memorize it. So so this wasn't just people who just had nothing to do with God. These were people who gave their entire lives to knowing God. Yet when Jesus shows up teaching the, as the very word that they had to memorize. You know, Jesus, it says, Jesus was the word made flesh. Jesus is the word of God. That's what John said, not me. I know some of y'all are like, John said that, and I agree with him. Jesus is the word of God. What do we call our scriptures? The word of God. So they are memorizing the word of God Yet when the Word of God is standing right in front of them trying to teach them something that might not have been found in the Torah, they're rejecting it because of what they were taught in an inferior covenant. 
And this is where we are today. You start talking about his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth. And the religious spirit starts doing this right here because we might have grown up memorizing the scripture and grown up going to church. And yet when the very words that we were taught growing up are illuminated in front of us, we reject it because it doesn't sound like what it sounded like when we were growing up. What you you heard when you were growing up was simply a stepping stone to what Yahweh is doing right here, right now. And if you remain on that level, you'll never make it to the level that that level was actually designed to thrust you into. So I grew up being taught signs and wonders and miracles and seeing signs and wonders and miracles. But if I stop there, I'm going to miss this. That doesn't mean I lay it down. That means I pick it up on such a greater level because my roots are going deeper. Are y'all with me? I know this is a lot. I know this is a lot. This is what happens when I don't have my notes, but or I don't read my notes. But I, um, th- this is how I want to wrap it up. And uh, where's uh, is Joseph in? Oh, Before you wrap yes. Up, can I come yeah, come on, come on. Um, just use your voice loud. I don't think we have the mic ready. Is Joseph in here? Oh, there you are. There you are. Well, then we might. I didn't even see you over there. Let me see. Oh. Check, check. Oh, yeah. There you go. I don't want to slide you No, you're good. Off. I just wanted to say that it is burning in me today to say this message is so important from the Lord that he gave it. I think there's somebody else out here that probably also has received this message, but the scripture I read this morning was from um, Luke 8, mm. which is the parable of the sower. Right. And literally he said, um, he took me through my life and identified um, and said, you were, you were the, the seed that grew up in the weeds choked that out. And I was just praying for us and our body. And it doesn't matter what other soil you were in, today is your day. Yeah. Today, yeah. Yeah. The seed doesn't change. Right. The work was done. The seed is in us. And he says, it's up to us to step into that, literally. Um, and everything that you said, it, it, the kingdom, when we start choosing that, it looks like, it doesn't look like the earthquake and the wind yeah. and the fire. All that might be part of right. it. Right. But it looks like the whisper of me standing in my kitchen with my husband, and he has an injustice toward me, and me loving into that. And forgiving in the middle of it, because yet while I sinned, Jesus forgave me. That was in the yeah, plan. Yeah. And this is legacy. This is how this is how it happened. And so what happens is, I'm sure he's changed as well because he's in that plan. But I am instantly more restored in that moment because love takes over and does its work, and legacy goes forward. But legacy also works back. The scripture that yeah. you just read um, about. Treasures coming out of the storeroom, both new and old. Mm -hmm. The plan was since the beginning, since the creation. So all of you who don't have children have parents. You have parents and grandparents and families. And this, it goes both ways, the alpha and the omega. Um, And that thing you talk about, I can't remember the word, the the infinite circle. Yeah, perichoresis. Yeah. Yes, that's it. (laughs) Um, And I wanted to just read 
because the parable of the sower, um, Luke tells it a little bit different. Right. So this is Luke 18, 8.18. Um, after the parable of the sower, and he's talked about the seed, he goes on, and Luke is reporting all of the parables that Jesus yep. told, too. And I think it's um, interesting that Luke talked about the lamp on a stand. So I'm going to read that part because there's a piece in here mm -hmm. where he's specifically talking to us and saying, choose this today. Jeez, these are Jesus's words. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For is, there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. And he's talking about yeah. us. He's yeah. literally talking about us. And then he says, therefore, considerly, consider carefully how you listen. Mm. He doesn't say what you say to them, what you do, what your actions are. That's yeah. all part of it. But he literally says to us, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Mm -hmm. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. Yeah. Like this, this is a time. I am so burning with joy that this is the time that sons and daughters are being revealed. Yeah. And it's our choice to go forward and love into that. And it's those little independent moments in our families and the things that we want where we decide through the power of Christ, our minds are renewed um, through the power of the word to say, I'm going to put down a fence because a fence has already been taken care of. Mm -hmm. I have no need to defend what I want, what I think, whether it's right or wrong, because Jesus already has solved that. Like, it's yeah. done. It's in, it's like, and I was thinking earlier, um, maybe our sweatshirt thing needs to be get in the game. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. Anyway, I love you. I just yeah. really think that, it's amazing that God put this scripture in my path today. Mm -hmm. And so I was wrecked like for the first five yeah. minutes you were talking because he's that good. Yeah. And he's speaking directly to our hearts. And I feel like there's probably somebody else who got it. Yeah. In yeah. Mark. Mm -hmm. um, but I yeah. love you. Let's go in. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, last night, and we'll wrap it up. I would say Matt, come up, but. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me, let me uh, finish up real quick, and then at the end, I would love to hear that. Yes, yes. Um, none of y'all can play keys, so I'm not going to call you up here. That's okay. But, but, I thought I was looking for Matt, but, Matt, I see you through the screen right now. Um, I'm just kidding. But, um. I, what, I mean, but seriously, just bring it in for a second. Bring it, I know it's been a lot. I know it's been a lot. But if you've been here for a while, this is actually the least I've taught in a long time. So um, the, we, just bring it in, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. We, last night, the thing that brought me the most joy, and I'm going to make him cry probably. The thing that brought me the most joy was I looked right here and like watching Ellington I don't know how many of y'all noticed this, but like that man is not the same man that was here. Well, none of y'all were here in 2017, so y'all wouldn't know this, but that, was, that came here in 2017. Not the same one. And as I'm watching him, I have two thoughts. Number one, and I'm glad you're here this morning, 
But number one, I thought, how many times did you guys pray over him becoming what he is? And now you're seeing the Lord bring that to fruition. So I thought about that. But then the second thing I thought about was, if we don't stay the course, sons don't become fathers. Because what is happening, I told him this last week, what's happening right now before all of your eyes is that someone who was a spiritual son is becoming a spiritual father. That's what you're, you're seeing it right before your eyes right now. And it's not just him. Mary, the same thing last night. Mary was not the same Mary that was here last week. I know what happened. I mean, I know what happened. It's the Lord. But, like, but she just began to release things that you hadn't released before. And so you're watching, you're watching, and it's not just those two. Like I'm just, you know, it's last night. This is happening all throughout all of you guys. Olivia, my Lord, like Olivia could preach circles around me. And so we're going to have her preach soon. I haven't asked you, but I'm going to get you to preach soon. So, but you know what I mean? But Olivia, I mean, Olivia is, first off, you would not believe she's actually what age she actually is. But, because um, you, you're just way more mature than that. But just the way that she communicates she doesn't communicate as somebody who's just like, you know, hey, I'm just here and I'm getting some words from the Lord. She communicates as somebody who says, this is the word from the Lord. You know what I mean? And that is, dra- so you're, you're seeing sons and daughters becoming fathers and mothers before your eyes. That does not happen if we settle for a show. That doesn't happen. If we settle for a leader and follower mentality and organization that does not happen and I'll take sons and daughters 1000% of the time over followers every single time I've had both and I'll take the second or the first I'll take the sons and daughters I've had both I've had a lot more followers than sons and daughters and I'll take sons and daughters I'll take raising up my daughter you know when I was in when I was in the uh the mindset that I was going to be a superstar um, in the name of the Lord, you know, I, uh, <laughs> that's how, that's how you, that's how you felt better about it, you know, doing it in Jesus name. But when I, when I was in that mentality, I didn't spend, there was a lot of nights, this is before we had beta. Uh, well, she came, I guess the kind of the back end of this, but um, I mean, I was at home a lot of nights and especially when I was at, uh, we had a portable kind of campus. I was gone 80 hours a week. Just, just doing ministry, doing ministry, doing ministry, doing ministry. And thank God we made it through that season. But now we're in a season, this ain't hard. This is easy. I say no to a lot of things today that I never said no to back in that season. And do you know what it's caused? It's caused this to go a lot slower. And yet I'm in love with my wife. My daughter knows who I am. And I'm still a pastor. That is rare. Most of the time, all the congregants know more about the pastor than the wife and kids. You know what I mean? But this is why this you, us getting rooted is so important. Because this is not going to look like anything else. It's not. We're going to go slow. I, I believe I have a lot of time. If you disagree with me, that's fine. That's cool. I believe I have a lot of time. And I believe I have many generations Therefore, I'm not going to try to force my way into th- anything. I'm not going to try to force us into revival. 
I'm not going to try to force us into being huge. I'm not going to force us into having a million-dollar budget with giant buildings. What I am going to do is stay devoted to the one thing, and whatever he wants us to inherit within that one thing, we'll inherit. And what he doesn't want us to inherit in that one thing, then we will not inherit it. And we're going to be happy, and we're going to be full of joy, and we're going to have actual community, not playgroups, right? Not playdates. We're going to have community, true community, family community, and we're going to see his kingdom come. I think the world needs to see his kingdom come in a group of people before it can embrace the fact that it's actually coming for them too. It's the same thing with unity. It's the same thing with social justice. Same thing. I mean, you look on stage last night, and you know what our stage was? Half black, half white. You know how many times me and Ellington sat down and said, we got to make sure it's half black, half white? Zero. I mean, am I lying? At no point, when we started this church, at no point did I sit down and say, we got to have half our stage black, half our stage white, so that we can look like we're doing social justice. No, we did the kingdom thing, and then guess what begins to happen? Unity. Whoo. How did that, you, bro, how did that happen? How many meetings did y'all have about that? None. I, I mean, literally, I've had pastors ask me that. How, what did y'all have to do to get that? Nothing. Oh, wait, we did one thing, the feet of Jesus. And then guess what we inherited? The first fruit of what it looks like to be unified across whatever race you come from. I don't know if you noticed that last night. I mean, I'm looking across the room. That's, that's the most diverse group of people I've ever seen in my life in one room last night. And again, that wasn't planned. We didn't put out billboards. We didn't put out posts about making sure we had this many people and all this other stuff. You know what we did? We said, we're going to show up. We're going to sit at the feet of Jesus. And then when he is lifted up, he begins to draw all men unto himself. And then the world begins to know that we're his by our unity. I mean, th- this is what I'm talking about. That's why, that's why people think I'm crazy when I say the way we're going to evangelize Columbia is being convinced of who we are. People think that's crazy because it's like, well, then what do you do after that? I don't know. We'll figure it out when we're convinced of who we are. But it's the same thing with all this stuff. It, how, how are you going to deal with abortion? We're going to be convinced of who we are. And I'm going to watch all the abortions numbers start to tank, no matter who's in office. What are y'all going to do about homelessness? We're going to be convinced of who we are, and we're going to start to watch homelessness be figured out in Columbia because of who we are. That's what Jesus did. That's what Paul did. That's what the early church did. Their economic situation was awful. The early church said, let's let everybody bring all their money to us, and then we'll pay everybody else and make sure everybody's got you know, everything taken care of. And guess what? They went broke. So that was not a great idea. However, the gospel exploded. They figured it out along the way. And because they were convinced of who they are, even financial disaster couldn't stop them. And Paul, being connected with a lot of people in Corinth who were loaded, that sent money back to make sure they were taken care of too. Okay? So let he who has an ear watching online hear. <laughs> what the Spirit of the Lord said. No. Um, or what thus saith the Lord. But anyway, I, I just, I love you guys. I'm not going to just ramble because y'all know me. I can ramble all day. But I'm not going to ramble. Who said yeah? 
Wow. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate that. <laughs> oh, man. You can turn your membership card in at the door. Just kidding. We don't have membership cards. Lord. <laughs> Immediately I said that. People like, <laughs> um. <laughs> I bet some people have like their email on a separate tab and they watch our services just in case they need to. Um, I'm just kidding. I, got a, I kid you not. I got an email before this COVID stuff about something that somebody had watched on one of our sermons over a year before that. So uh, anyway, so that's, that's, Lord bless you and keep you. Um, but uh, just kidding, just kidding. I like having fun. It doesn't bother me in one bit. In fact, I get a good laugh out of it. It's fun. So uh, 